text this morning will be found in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 6. And it reads this way. As soon then, as he said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Let us pray. No, Lord, how great thou art. What a merciful Lord thou art. Lord, I thank you for all of thy blessings of this week. I thank you, Lord, for the trials. I know, Lord, that thy word tells us that all things work for the good to thy people. Lord, give us the faith to see that. Oh, Lord, give us the faith to see thee this day high and lifted up. Truly, Lord, that thou art in control of all things. Lord, may you bless this time that we have together today in thy word. May you bless it with the fullness of thy spirit. May you instruct everyone, every one of thy children in this room, that you would bring us to thy feet, that you would open up our hearts and our minds, and you would feed our souls. Lord, that you would cause us to look upward to thee, that you would fixate our eyes upon thee. And Lord, you would be that present help, that you would be that deliverer, that you would be that sovereign in our life, O oh Lord. Give us eyes to see it, faith to behold it. And Lord, may you be glorified and receive all glory. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. John's gospel flows beautifully as he focuses on Jesus Christ as the Son of God and his deity. John's gospel really focuses on the deity of Christ more than any of the other gospels. And as we come to chapter 18 this morning, we leave a time where Jesus had and brought his 11 disciples before him at his feet. In chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus presents himself as the great prophet to his people. And he gathers them at his feet, and he tells them such things as he is the way, the truth, and the life. He tells them that he is going to prepare a place for them and that he will come again. He tells them that he is the vine and they are the branches. He tells them that without Him they can do nothing. He tells them that He's going away. He tells them out of His love and care for them that He will send the Comforter. And that Comforter, the Holy Ghost, will teach them and guide them and reveal Christ to them so that He will always be with them. Always wherever they go. That's His love for them. That's His love for His people as to their great prophet and teacher. And then we go to chapter 17 where Jesus' high priestly prayer, the only prayer that is the Lord's prayer, as He opens up His heart and mind to the Father, He addresses the disciples And then he addresses all of this people that will ever come from from that day all the way on. And he tells them how much he has prayed for them. 
He tells them in the high priestly office. He intercedes for them. In all of these chapters, the Lord Jesus shows His great love, His great care, and that He is absolutely in control of all things. I was sitting this morning reading this passage again, and the Lord said, that is the title of your message. He is always in control. Always. We may not think so. But if you look at John's Gospel, who, as I said, was always concerned with the deity of Christ, and how Christ was the life, and how Christ governed everything in His, child's, in his children's life. Then you go through those chapters and you, you, if the Holy Spirit is willing, you, you enter into that love that the Lord has for His people. Through the teaching, through the praying, and then we come to chapter 18. Then we come to chapter 18. This now is Jesus going to the cross. So we had Him pictured for us as the prophet in teaching. We had him pictured for us as the priest in praying and interceding. And now we have him as the king. The king who is going forward and nothing can thwart his plan. And nothing is not is too much for him. So we pick up this morning at the beginning of the chapter in 18, with these words, when Jesus had spoken these words, those words are what I just talked about. When Jesus gathered His disciples together at His feet, and when Jesus prayed, and all of those words, if you look at 14, 15, 16, and 17, they're all in red letters to tell us that our Lord was speaking and only our Lord was speaking. And so we come to 18 and the Holy Spirit writes down, when Jesus had spoken these words, He went forth totally in control of all that's around Him. He did not hide from the hour that's in front of Him. He did not shirk the responsibility that the Father has given Him. He went forth to meet the enemy head on in total control. And as he went forth with his disciples, he went over the brook Cedron. In the Old Testament, it's called Kidron. An interesting thing about this brook. It's only a brook during the rainy seasons. The rest of the time, it's a ditch. It's dry. Most of the summer months and all through most of the year, it's dry. Except for the times of sacrifice. When the sacrifices were made by the priest, this brook or this ditch is where all the blood would flow down. Of all the bulls and the goats and everything that was sacrificed. When all the blood would flow down. So then when it did rain, and the, the brook Cedron was filled with water. The water was black and murky. 
because it took on the it took on all the blood, it took on all the filth, it took on all the waste. This was a waste wasteland. And Jesus triumphantly goes over the brook Cedron where all of these sacrifices and all of the blood had went. Jesus went forth triumphantly as the sacrifice, as the final sacrifice, as the only sacrifice that the Father would accept, the perfect sacrifice. And so Jesus went with his disciples over the brook Cedron, where was a garden. We know that garden as the Garden of Gethsemane. Everyone knew that garden. They knew that's where Jesus went every time. He had time to go. The time that he went to pray to the Father. The time that he wanted intimate time. The time that he wanted to himself. He went to this place. This would be when all of the events of Jesus going to the cross would start. Jesus went there having cared for his people having told them that he was going to go away, having told them that he would return, having told them and assured them that he is the Lord and that even though this time is coming, well, he won't be physically in front of them, that he has a purpose in going away, that he is going to put away their sin, that he is going to stand in their place, that he is going to be that perfect sacrifice, Sacrifice of substitution for his people. And he now went forth strongly to meet that hour. And when he got in there where the garden was into which he entered and his disciples and Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted, resorted thither with his disciples. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The Lord was not hiding from his responsibility. He was not hiding from the purpose and the decree and the, the, the work that was set before him. Our Lord met the enemy head on. He went knowing, and we'll see that in, this, um, in a verse coming up, nothing was surprising him. This was all ordained of God. Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men. A band of men was anywhere from 500 to 1,000. They took a whole regiment there to the garden that night to arrest one man. Maybe more than that. Maybe in their minds they, thought they believed they were going to take all of them. But they went that night with the chief priest and the Pharisees and they came thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. They came to fight. They came for an uprising. They came to, to see someone and to find someone who was hostile against their aggression. They didn't come to reason. They didn't come to talk. They came to arrest with violence. But as Jesus was the Lamb, 
that went forth to the slaughter, who uttered not a word, you will see, that's what I want you to see, the Lord is always in control. The Lord is always the one who's on top of everything that's going on. Jesus, therefore, look at verse 4, knowing all things that should come upon Him. Underline that. Jesus, knowing all things that should come upon Him. Jesus knew He was about to be slapped He knew they were going to pluck the very hairs out of His beard. He knew that they were going to put a crown of thorns upon His head. He knew that they were going to beat Him with a reed. He knew about the sham of a trial that He was going to go through. He knew that they were going to put nails in His hands. He knew they were going to spit upon Him. He knew that all of His disciples were going to go away from Him. Betray Him, so to speak. Run away in fear. Forsake Him. He knew that He would hang there with two malefactors. He knew that He would be hanging there with what the world would call the worst criminals. He knew every voice that would be in the crowd and everyone who mocked Him. He knew that He would take the spear in the side. He knew how many hours He would be there. He knew the pain and the agony He would go through. And I haven't even gotten to being forsaken of the Father. He knew that He would be forsaken of the Father. John's Gospel does not does not record Jesus sweating the drops of blood. I told you at the beginning John's purpose in his gospel was always to put forth the deity of Christ. I don't know I know that the Holy Spirit did not intend for John to write about that. So that's really all I need to say. Because he quickly he he tells us about the events that happened, but that's not one of them. He shows the Lord Always in control. And even in that hour that's not in here, even in that time when he sweat those drops of blood, when he cried out, when he had that picture before him, because this is what it tells us, he knows all things. When he knew he'd be forsaken of the Father, when he cried out to the Father, Lord, if this, if you'd let this cup pass from me, if that is, but nevertheless, Lord, thy will be done. He knew it. He did not want to be forsaken of the Father. But He knew it was what had to be done. The Father is too holy to look upon sin. Too holy. Jesus was made sin. He knew that He was about to be made sin. God, The God-man knew that He was about to drink this cup of all the sins of His people. And yet he never wavered. And yet he never deviated off the path. But the disciples would. But Christ didn't. 
Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, the band and thousand, hundreds of thousands of men, whom seek ye? Why are you here? Who are you here for? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am. Our translators, we love our translators. They're, they're good. They help us understand the Bible. Sometimes when the original is, is, is there and they're translating it, they don't know or they add a word. or They, they did a disservice here. Jesus, by saying, I am, was quoting the Scriptures. He was the I am in the burning bush in Exodus 3 with Moses. He told them in John 8 that I, before Abraham was, I am. He was the I am and is the I am from eternity to this point in time. Nothing has changed. They come into that place with the upper hand in their mind that they are controlling all things. And Jesus says to them, I am. I am the I am. I'm in control. I am moving all of these events. I have ordained this. And then there was Judas. After Jesus said, I am, Judas also. Notice how the Holy Spirit puts that in there. We know Judas is with them, right? We've already heard that. He says, Judas also, which betrayed them, stood with them. Stood with them. Those that came to arrest Christ. Judas was a disciple just like Peter, James, and John. He was one who sat at Jesus' feet. He was one who was given power to cast out devils. And he did. He was there for all of Jesus' miracles. He saw Jesus turn water to wine. He saw him feed the 5,000, the 4,000. He saw him heal people. He saw him raise one from the dead. He was right there with all the disciples. And he was a follower of Christ. And he followed Christ wherever he went. And that day, right before 14, 15, 16, and 17... When they had that last supper together. And Jesus said, one of you will betray me tonight. Not anyone in that room suspected Judas. No one did. In fact, they wondered aloud to themselves and to others, is it me, Lord? Am I capable of this? As we look around to the 12 of us here, I don't see anybody that fills that description. Who would betray you? 
But see, what Judas had was religion. That's what Judas had. Judas had a head knowledge of Christ. Judas knew what Jesus was capable of. Judas saw it. But it never touched his heart. The Lord had never given him a heart to love him. He was the son of perdition. In the inner circle. Right there with all of the disciples who loved him. And he was never detected. You want to know why we don't judge fellow man? You want to know why we don't rip up the tares that grow with the wheat? Because we don't know. We can't look on the heart. I venture to say, and I believe with absolute authority, if we would have been in the room, we wouldn't have suspected him either. Jesus, Judas stood with them. Judas has got his 30 pieces of silver. Judas is at that time, well, why don't he change his mind? Why don't he change his own heart? Why don't he make a decision for Jesus today? The emotion of the hour, doesn't it, doesn't it get to him? Well, we know it does. We know he seeks repentance we know he tries to get somebody to absolve him but they can't and he kills himself dear ones what's in your heart has the lord revealed himself in your soul and in your heart and in your mind is he the lord of your life He was the Lord of Judas's life in word only. He followed him everywhere. That was, that was his life. But it wasn't enough. Is Christ enough? I can't answer that for anybody in this room. I can't even answer it for myself. The Lord has to reveal that to me. Sean, I'm enough. Lay down your arms. Lay down your fighting. Lay down your scheming. Lay down your fears. Lay down your unbelief. He's the only power who can do that. Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with him. Then we come to our text. I didn't have to choose verse 6 as my text. As you'll see, I'm going to go all the way through 11, but... Six says to me what the Lord said to me. He's always in control. And as soon as then as he said unto them, I am. They went backward and fell to the ground. Dear ones, they're not bowing. They're knocked on their backside. The Lord spoke it. I am. And just that fraction of that power. These thousand or whatever they are. All fell backwards onto their backside. And had no power to continue. 
Tell me He doesn't control all things. Tell me this sovereign... Tell me, is there anything too hard for the Lord? This was a fulfillment of Psalm 27 too. It says, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. This is a fulfillment of Isaiah 14. If you'll turn, I'm sorry, Isaiah 11. If you'll turn with me there, read a couple of verses there for you this morning. And I want you to understand, and I hope the Holy Spirit comes to you today and speaks those comforting words. He's always in control. Even when the enemy has surrounded you. He's always in control. He is that sovereign power over that enemy. It doesn't matter what their design is. It doesn't matter what their will is. Satan's will does not matter. The enemies of God's people does not matter. The Lord is in total control. Look at Isaiah 11. Look at the beginning. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is speaking of Christ. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. This is what our Lord has. He has all of this in totality. That's what He gives His people. You look at those things, you say, I need those. I need the Spirit of counsel. I need the power. I need knowledge. I need the fear of the Lord. Lord, You've put it in my heart, but I can't exercise it. I can't fear You over the fears that are taunting me in my soul and ripping my mind apart. I can't. But You can. Just speak it, Lord. Just speak Your name. Just speak the I Am to my soul. And all of those enemies and all of those fears will fall down prostrate around me. I need that. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. I want that dearly so much. I want to judge not after the sight of my eyes. Because my eyes behold wicked every day. And as they take in the wickedness of the world, I get fearful. I get hardened. I get full of unbelief. I need to not judge after the sight of my eyes. I need spiritual eyes. I need Christ eyes. Neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. I don't want to hear things and fear. I don't want to hear things and then constantly put Christ off and then go in my own power and my own strength to try to fix them. It's useless. It's fruitless. It's tiring. And to be quite honest, it's killing me. It's absolutely killing me. 
but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth I am and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked what we have for us in front of us in our text this morning is he has put the wicked all down back on their backside right before his very eyes and right by his own power because Ecclesiastes 8 4 tells us where the word of a king is there is power and who may say unto him what doest thou this is a remarkable remarkable show of sovereign power over the enemy remarkable just flip back with me to John 10 real quick just a little bit backwards John 10 this is fulfilled for us our great shepherd in 10 in verse 17 and 18 says this therefore does my father love me because I laid down my life that I might take it again that's what's going on before us he is laying down his life having loved his own which were in the world he loved them till the end he is laying down his life and he will take it up again no man taketh it from me do you see that this morning do you see that he's in total control and he still is today it's the same king jesus christ the same yesterday today and forever no man taketh it from me but i lay it down of myself i have power to lay it down and i have power to take it again this commandment have i received of my father everything that jesus is doing he is about his father's business he is about the salvation of his people that the father elected and that the holy spirit has sealed he is about the plan of redemption of shedding his blood because without the shedding of his blood there'll be no remission of sins none and no one or no power however strong it is in this earth can thwart that that's what i see right here in six they went backwards and they fell to the ground and you want to know how hard man's heart is you want to know why judas isn't alone then in verse 7 again he then asked then asked he them again whom seek ye they are now back on their feet in front of him after being knocked on their back after seeing that power he said now who do you seek you know what they said Jesus of Nazareth which shows two things the hardness of man to not be reformed by miracles or whatever it is that they see with their eyes. They can see the power, 
But it's not going to touch the inner man. But it also shows you that Jesus is still in control and everything's right back on schedule to where Jesus will go and lay down His life for His friends. It was like a pause to show His kingship, to show His lordship for you and I today. Just a pause, just a see law in our day as we see everything crumbling around us. Just that Selah to say, I'm in control. You want to see more control? Jesus answered them, I have told you that I am. I have told you that I am. If therefore you seek me, Listen to this command. Let these go their way. I told you, they brought enough of an army to take all of those disciples and Jesus. To put an end to it right then. To put an end to whatever this group of men were. It could not happen. Jesus, in the power of His kingship, said... You can have me, but you can't have them. You can't touch these eleven. You will let them go. And they let them go. I think of my Lord on the cross. I think of these very words. In, in kind of a way, He said them to the Father. Take me, Lord. I will fulfill Your justice. Your ju- the justice of You will not be harmed. Let these go. I will die in their place. I will die for them. I will die in their place. And the justice of God was satisfied by this perfect sacrifice. Let them go. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of them which thou hast given me, have I lost none. When did Jesus say that? Well, just turn over one page. That's what he said in his high priestly prayer. Look at verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that Thou gavest Me, I have kept them. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, the son of hell, Judas himself, who was ordained before the foundation of the world to this end. He's the one, Father, that You ordained for this hour to betray Me. You ordained His reprobation. You ordained His death. You ordained everything. You ordained this hour. But all of your elect, all of the church and every one of them that you have given me, I have not lost any that the Scripture might be fulfilled. That's what's taking place here. That the saying might be fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled it all. 
He did it all. You and I can sit here and scratch our heads and we can try to come up with another way or, or a way or something we got left to do. That's the rest that the child of God enters into. The rest of His finished work. That's what He's done. And we're still not done. Because then Simon Peter, you know, this is the same coward we're going to see a couple hours later that denies Christ three times. But see, he was by himself then. So now he's over here and he's got some zeal, some misguided zeal. And he takes out a sword. Simon Peter, having a sword, he drew it. And you know how we are. We're irrational. That's what we lost in the fall. We see something. We do stupid things. We pick up things. We do them and we just do stupid things without thinking. Peter's no different. We can't cast a stone at him. We've done it many times in our life. How many times have we gotten mad at something, kicked it, and hurt ourselves? We do these things without thinking. But once again, it's ordained of God. Why? To show that Christ is in control. To show the compassion of our Lord. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and he smote the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So here we got a thousand people, or however many it is, they all got swords. And we got 11 and Jesus. And Peter reaches down and gets a sword. And I, you know, nowadays, we know it. That would incite a riot. And without the Lord right there ordaining and, and keeping control, it would have incited a riot. Maybe our minds can go to say, hey, they would have all been killed. But it wasn't the Lord's plan. Out of the stupidity of one... I'm being kind by saying it was misguided zeal. What it was, it was a, a dumb act. Well, I'll show you my love. That's not how we show the Lord love. Because this is the way Jesus sees it. Look at verse 11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which my Father has given me, shall I not drink it? Peter, are you trying to stop my will? Are you trying to stop me laying down my life for all of my church, including you? Do you not want to be forgiven? Do you not care that your sins are going to be forgiven by the shedding of my blood, which I've already told you about? Do you not care that God has a plan for the salvation of His entire church? Do you only care about yourself and your own feelings that you would do such a thing? Peter? Sean? Fill in the blank with your name? Jesus, Luke's account tells us, he reached down 
and healed the ear of Malchus. This wasn't a time to fight. This was a time for Jesus to lay down his life. He just showed them he had the power over all. He could have called legions of of angels. But this is the appointed hour that he has instructed his disciples on that this is the time for me to go. It's my time now. I'm going away. Where I'm going, you can't come. But in our zeal or in our thoughts of what we can do for God, we can save him. Poor Lord over there is getting trampled on. My goodness, let me see what I can do for you. Jesus told us, I did not come to be ministered to, but to minister. He is the Lord of all grace. He is the giver of life. He just showed him he had power over the whole situation. But you know what? Out of great love, he showed him again. He healed Malchus's ear and he told Peter, you're just wrong. You're wrong, Peter. There's a higher calling here. We know what happens now. We know that he goes to trial and he knows that Peter is going to go out and he's going to warm himself. As he goes and he gets inside and he warms himself with false religion every time he's talking to all these people that are there in the temple, around the temple. And what does that get him? Fear gets him just despair, distress. And we think, wow, what? Poor Peter, is he left that way? And then Jesus looked upon him. And Jesus, with that one look, with that one look to Peter, revealed to Peter that Peter was Christ's child, that he was dying for him. The next time we see Peter, he's running as fast as he can to the to the tomb. The Lord cares for His people. The Lord is in complete control. That's what I wanted to say to you today. That's what I hope the Lord writes on your heart this morning as you leave this place and as we all go and we look at the headlines or we go home and we see things or we hear things even among each other of the hardships going on in our lives. Just say to your brother and say to your sister, the Lord's in control. Let me tell you about my Lord. Let me tell you about His power. It's a power unequaled and unparalleled anywhere. Dear Heavenly Father, add Thy power, add Thy comfort, add Thy peace, add Thy truth and add Thy clarity to what has been said And may you bless it to the souls of thy people for your name's sake. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.